Welcome to The Get Together. It's our show about the nuts and bolts of community building, and I am your host, Bailey Richardson. I'm a partner at People and Company. What's up? I'm Kevin Huynh. I'm also Hi, a partner at People and Company. We're gonna we're gonna, we're also gonna be co-authors. We're gonna be co-authors oh, oh, in August. In August. Having like a book baby. <laughs> Talk more about that later. Okay. Uh, each episode, Kevin and I interview everyday people who have built extraordinary communities about just how they did it. How did they get the first people to show up? How did they grow to thousands more members? How did they? How did they? How did they? How did they? We're going to find out. Today, we're talking to Cassandra Lamb, one of the co-founders of The Cosmos, an empowering community that connects women and gender non-binary folks who identify as Asian. Cassandra and her co-founder, Karen Mock, started The Cosmos with a simple question. What does it mean for Asian women to not just survive, but to thrive? To not merely assimilate, but to carve out their own paths. You normalize the four walls of what you think is possible for yourself. And what you think is possible for yourself is charted out for you based on who you around in the context you live in mm-hmm. um and so there are two ways I, I think you can go about it you can either like start decorating those four walls and get really comfortable with them and mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. do your best tell yourself that that's freedom or you can keep breaking through and pushing them further and further and further yeah. but you can't do that i don't i don't think without community for their first event 20 strangers from all around the country flew to seattle to meet cassie and karen and explore these questions together After that event, Cassandra and Karen put those folks in a Slack group together. Then they hosted another retreat and another. Today, the Cosmos has more than 5,000 members and many, many more people have heard their name. Their book club was just featured in the New York Times. And in August of this year, 500 of them are going to get together for their first ever summit in New York City. You could go if you want to. Uh, Kevin you know Cassie and the Cosmos well. You've coached them. You're you're kind of like weaving into their web a little bit. Just, just jut myself into <laughs> the f- friendship zone. There just you to go. Hang out, like to absorb the good the good energy. Did you say jut yourself? Yeah. Is oh, that weird? that's yeah. an interesting verb. I yeah, know, I made it up. It's a Kevin original. What What would you say stood out uh, to you from our conversation with Cassie? Ooh. Uh, well, this this convo hits home for me, um, first of all, because Cassie and I, our families have s- somewhat similar stories as both, uh, we're both children of Vietnamese refugees. So my parents immigrated here in 1975, and my family has stories from coming on helicopters, airplanes, to fleeing on boats, and uh, Cassandra's family story is no different. And I think that kind of that history, that experience of growing up is the soil from which um, the cosmos uh, has like grown out of for her. Uh, I think we get into that motivation early on and talking about this idea of moving from a survivor mindset to one where you're flourishing and thriving and exploring identity. And that's just stuff that really inspired me the first time I met Cassie and to talk more about it on this interview. Just, yeah, that hit home. Yeah. From a community building perspective, I think it's, It's special to hear throughout the interview just a collaborative spirit that she and her co-founder, Karen, have brought to the cosmos since the beginning. Um, You hear it from, you know, how they partnered up with uh, Asian vendors to put on a market to how they gather feedback from other community members in Slack around what they want to do next and how they are powering every piece of this upcoming summit 
you know, by Asian American women and the enterprises that they've started. It's just admirable to like to see Cassie's commitment to not just get people together, but really build the capacity of a community, like leave this group even stronger, you know, even with more power, even with the stronger economy between the groups. Like there's a real investment that's going on in the people that she's trying to serve. And I think that's rad. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, one of the reasons why you and I both do this work is because we really like working collaboratively. Mm -hmm. And I think like never putting one person like higher up on the rung of the ladder of life than someone else. Like we're all equal and we all can contribute. And I have been so inspired by so many of the people we've interviewed on this podcast for being so radically non-hierarchical. And I love learning about more groups that are operating that way. Yeah. And I I love that. I think it's great. So cool. Let's get in it. Here we go. All right, Cassie. Kevin and I like to say that you can't fake the funk. Like people who start (laughs) communities, if you're not passionate about it, you can't like get the fire started if the embers are dead. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to ask you, where does all the motivation come from for starting Cosmos? Like, tell me about what motivated you to do this and where that comes from. I was at a stage in my life when I met my co-founder, Karen Mock, where I didn't know what I wanted or needed, Mm. but I knew that what I was feeling and going through was not it, if that makes sense. And in a way, a really beautiful love story happened when Karen and I met because Mm. we were both two... Asian women who are living on opposite sides of the country. In fact, still are. She's in San Francisco and I'm in New York. Hi, Karen. (laughs) Shout out all the way over there to Oakland. Um, And so we were actually introduced by a mutual friend and we met at Spread House Cafe, which is just a hopscotch over. Yeah, it's like 50 feet from here right now. So this is a very like beautiful. That's also where I met Cassie. Yeah, yeah. Many beautiful things happened there. Um, so she and I got, got a coffee there in November 2017. Um, and so she was just out here doing the AAJA Accelerator Program. Uh, and when What's we that? AAJA? Oh, Asian Sorry, American Journalism Association. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah, cool. She was working on a, uh, a kind of a media project at the time. And so when we met, um, our mutual friend said, hey, you guys are both working on like storytelling projects at this time. I think you'll have a lot in common. Get together. I think about, you know, 20, 30 minutes into the conversation, we completely blew past the superficial. And we started getting into some of the really nitty gritty topics that I think were really lurking under the surface and we're waiting for the right context to come out. Can you say like what some yeah, of those were? We're going yeah, there. Bring me there. We're going Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so just let me lay the landscape a little bit. So this was, a, you know, post-Trump era. Um, we were only about like a, you know, a year into his presidency. Um, the Women's March was going on. Women's movement was really starting to gain traction nationwide. Uh, Time's Up was also happening. And in that landscape, where everywhere I looked, I felt like I didn't have a place to belong. So there were a lot of spaces that were like generalist women's spaces tended to be very white feminism oriented. And whenever I found myself in people of color or even women of color spaces, the validity of the Asian experience was often questioned. I didn't feel affirmed. I didn't necessarily feel safe. Um, Mm -hmm. And I often had to deal with this like weird mental calculus of like, do I assert myself? Is Is there even a place here for my my story and my experience, you know, especially because oftentimes I think we get stuck in this black and white dichotomy where, you know, where do Asian people fit in that mm. large meta question, right? Yeah. Um, and so that was the landscape or the backdrop to, you know, when Karen and I met. And so we started digging deeply in our conversation into things like, you know, the Asian and American experience, like that intersection is so fraught. It's so heavy. Um, there's so many 
things that we have repressed growing up by virtue of not ever seeing ourselves anywhere, by virtue of, more importantly, not, not having a space to even talk about it. And so that meeting between me and Karen was the, the meeting that broke the dam, mm. you know, and we, we got into everything from like the lack, the seeming lack of political engagement and civic engagement within our community. We talked about the lack of representation, not just in Hollywood, which I think is very easy to talk about, mm. but also in like the C-suite and board of directors for companies, whether you have leaders that can serve as mentors or champions for you. We also talked about how difficult it was to approach topics like mental health and sex and intimacy mm. from a culturally relevant standpoint. And so there was there was no space for that until we created that space for each other. Uh, and somewhere in that conversation, one of us just blurted out, what does it look like for Asian women to flourish and thrive? Mm. You know, and, and that question is a, a juxtaposition to survivorship. Can you share a little bit about your family and, and just kind of share that with the audience? Because it's an amazing story. Yeah, so my parents are both Vietnamese refugees. They came um, to the U.S. after the war, but they came through refugee camps in Malaysia. So my mom, like, literally left on a crappy boat very similar to like what you might have seen in photos of the Syrian refugee crisis and the boat actually got raided by pirates there was a story about how she and her family members had basically all the only money you could carry that was worth anything in the states was like gold right so they would they ate their gold jewelry so that they could oh my god can I cuss on this yeah go ahead so they could shit it out because the pirates (sighs) raided the boat and if you had anything on you that was worth anything they were going to take it you know people were drinking their urine because they ran out of water at a certain point and by the time they made it to Malaysia and my mom was like a teenager. And then my dad's family, very similarly, also ended up in Malaysia. So they met at a refugee camp, never thought they'd see each other again, eventually made their way to the States. And so my parents came from literally like having this life that they thought where they, you know, they were going to go on to like high school, college, have these amazing, like, mm-hmm. this amazing life in Vietnam. And then the war ends the way it did. And they get thrust you know, into this life that they never thought they would have to do. Yeah, endure. and like a scarring and traumatic event too like that I can't I feel like I've had such yeah I mean I've had such minor challenges in my life and I'm just like this modern world I'm trying to make it through (laughs) but to be raised with that perspective is like a very powerful point of view for sure it's extremely difficult to put words into like how much trauma there is to unpack it's intergenerational and then I think you add in the layer of your parents don't even necessarily have like the words to articulate to you you know what healing looks like because Healing just feels like a privilege, you know mm. what I mean? Like, they just had to survive. And so neither of my parents went to college, came here, they started working right away. They're both, like, the, on the younger end of a large crop of siblings. My mom is one of ten, my dad is one of seven. Whoa, my wow. family's, my family's yeah. like that, too. Yeah. That's leading to interesting wedding planning, as there's, like, eight, <laughs> eight aunts and uncles on each side with, like, yeah, kids that also like, have kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're shorthand, you know, like, oh, by is like, you just call her Aunt Seven. Aunt seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I depends just, on the family. Yeah. I mean, you and I, when we were at, we were at Boys Don't Cry bar in Lower East Side, and like, I had just met you, I don't know, maybe a week earlier. And our conversation around moving from like a survivor's mentality that, you know, my parents, a similar story. And, and now they, they are thriving in their own way. But as a kid of these parents, it's one thing to like grow up with a family that's really trying to optimize for security and safety. Mm-hmm. And then to reach a point now where I've had the privilege to like be put in a position with, you know, with limited debt, with resources, with a network, and to say, you know, it's not enough. Like, 
we can do more that involves flourishing and thriving. We can build things, we can start enterprises, we can organize each other and we can gain, you know, power and push equity in a way that like our parents were as much in a position to do so. But it's also hard to communicate that back to like the previous generation because it's just not the same. Yeah, there's just a disconnect there. And it's it's understandable. It's just like it is a disconnect. Yeah. And is. I think that's just part of what's like inspiring about the work, which we'll get into more on this that that you're doing. I think that disconnect is, is so hard. And when you're growing up, you don't even understand how your experience is so different. And at the same time, being a kid, you just want to be the same. Right. Mm. And as I've gotten older, I think I've also become more. I think less ashamed and more proud of the challenges that like our parents went through. Right? Yeah. And then like, yeah. I just remember like, you know, when you're in third grade, you want to have Lunchables like everybody else. You want to be able to like, oh, Lunchables, cancers in that fucking Lunchables. Yeah. Sorry. That's so sad to me that you, that you like guys have like the cuisine of gods. Like Vietnamese cuisine is like godlike. And you're like, I just want those Lunchables so bad. Things that where like you thought like if I just got X, Y, Z, I could normalize my experience. Yeah. to everyone else's but then I remember like in sixth grade I got to a point where you know I surpassed my parents in math and in English Jeez. you know and I was at sixth grade level it was just this really sad moment where I was like dang like I'm, I'm getting to like pre-algebra geometry and mm. these things don't make sense to my parents and you know that's a really early age I think to realize that like I'm kind of on my own now and that's what it's mm. been since and I think at the time I didn't really know how to process it but that experience is something that I think only first gen kind of kids really understand and to to feel like you have to navigate the world that's at I don't know 12 and know that you have the next rest of your life basically to feel that way it was kind of heavy one of the things that Kevin says about Cosmos is that well first off just for context you've you've coached Cassie you guys you're in Kevin's in deep on the Cosmos Oh, yeah, and the start of the Vietnam Mafia. Yeah, the Vietnam Meetup. Um, yeah, maybe if you are interested in joining, you can send an email to hyatpeople.and.company yeah, sure. if you're in New York yeah. and you're Vietnamese yeah. descent. Um, come on down. <laughs> but one of the things that Kevin says is that he's so amazed by the energy of people who are helping you build it, people who are participating, and that's the most remarkable thing that like really stands out for you is that this there was a real need that many people had that others didn't realize. And I just wanted to ask you, we say every community starts with a really clear who and a why. Who were the early people in Cosmos besides you and Karen? Tell me about a few of those folks and how you found them and how you communicated what you were trying to do to them. When Karen and I got kicked out of the cafe, Spread House, um, <laughs> we... This tells you a lot about the type of people we are. We pulled out our phones and we were like, so we set a recurring Google Calendar invite uh, every Sunday, you know, for an hour. Karen and Cass were going to keep in touch. We didn't know what we were going to create, but we knew that we wanted to keep the conversation going. And so in like, as we had more of those calls, we decided to um, publish a Medium blog post to share a summary of that conversation we had at Spread House. And yeah. the blog post is still up. It's at the bottom of that uh, post, which you guys have seen, there's a call to action that yeah. in a Google form that basically says, if the question of what does it look like for Asian women to flourish and thrive is radical to you, you've never heard it before, you're thinking like, oh my God, I don't know how to answer that. Or like, why have I never even mm -hmm. you know, been approached with that question? Fill out the Google form and we'll get in touch. And so we sent that out towards probably the end of November of 2017. And we decided to share it on our Facebook pages and a couple groups we were in. We 
could never have expected the response that we got. I think we got over 200 people who filled out the Google form. Wow. Which was shocking because I expected like five. Yeah. So when Karen and I were reviewing the responses, we realized, holy crap, I think we've tapped into a nerve here. We tapped yeah. into a larger unmet need beyond like our own experiences. Mm-hmm. And so being Cass and Karen were really intense, crappy, <laughs> like, let's just hit the road at 100 miles per hour and break shit kind of people. Great. We were like, okay, what's the fastest way we can beta test our hypothesis, but also continue to, the, the discovery process and explore here. So we decided... I Gotta think, bring that corporate know-how into yeah. the passion projects. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, we were like, let's organize. <laughs> um, so I think like, this is like early December, and we decided, like, we're going to host a retreat. We're going to get people into yeah. a house together for Sick. three days Sick. and see what happens. Like I did a lot of research because we wanted to figure out. So the, res- the respondents to the, the Google form were coming from all over the U.S. And uh. we didn't really know where we wanted to host the retreat. Mm. And so I remember I created this Google spreadsheet and I literally listed 10 emerging cities that seemed inexpensive and I did this really manual like looking up Google flights from all the main cities LASF New York which are the biggest uh, hubs for Asian population to the charting the flights to these 10 cities it was a labor of love for sure and and so finally settled on Seattle and we sent out an email to like those 200 respondents saying hey thank you for your interest we're gonna jump in (laughs) <laughs> do you want to come on this retreat in Seattle, January 26th to 28th, 2018? Okay. Karen and Cass are hosting it. And you know, we're going to explore this question together through workshops and activities that we're putting together. They were not yet put together at the time. Yes. And yes. So, As all great workshops <laughs> do not come together. If you're interested, Venmo $75 at Cassandra. No Dash way. Yeah. For cool. your security deposit. We didn't even know yet how much to like value that experience. Oh, nice. So we were like, let's just get the deposit down. And we yeah, like, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll send everybody chargers for food and the rest of the house later. But like, that's the commitment. We had 20 people fill up the house. So we basically sold the retreat out to 20 strangers on the internet. Wow. Swear only some of them knew us. So like I would say over 60% were complete strangers. Hand raisers, man. Yeah. Yeah. People raise their hand. And it was it was insane. And I think the other thing that also really helped was like we did Google Hangouts with every single person that expressed interest. Why did you do that? Tell me about that. This is something that has continued to extend throughout like anything that we've sold that was at a higher price point. There are two, I think, big reasons why we had, we felt like we, we wanted to and ha- also had to do it. One, there's never been anything like this for our community. They have, Karen and I have been talking a lot about how like, you know, when Apple created the iPod that people didn't even know how much they needed or wanted it. Um, and then the magic there was that they figured out how to market it. That's what we were trying to hack. We were like, we don't even know. Like, you're definitely not thinking you need a retreat. Yeah. You actually probably don't know what you need because Karen and I didn't know what we needed until mm. we found each other. But we do know that if we can get you on the phone and we can get you talking about your experience and we can mm. and like we can paint the narrative of like, yeah. can you imagine having this conversation with 19 other people? Yeah, you can taste the magic. Yeah, yeah, taste the magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's what the intention was. It was like one, to build credibility and trust um, via like, face-to-face uh, Google Hangout to begin to paint that picture of what that experience could be like to be in a room with 20 other women who cared about the same things for three days yeah. and to dig deep. And that takes a lot of courage, right? And so that was like an investment, a big investment of time that completely paid off because those were also user research interviews. Yeah, so totally. Yeah. We were able to come into the day that everyone showed up at the house, we were able to be like, okay, I know a little bit of their story, right? Mm-hmm. And I know where I want yeah. to take them because I too have, have been there. 
And I resonate with that. So anyways, these women, they flew in from Denver, LA, SF, New York. So people spent hundreds of dollars on flights, eventually like a couple hundred to cover the house and food mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and those three days, I kid you not, completely changed my life. Uh, There's 20 people, me and Karen. By Sunday morning, we had all cried out of all the Kleenex and toilet paper in the house. <laughs> Toilet paper was gone. Yeah. <laughs> no toilet paper left to even cry into. And so That's a good metric of uh, meaning, yeah. meaningfulness. Yeah. It's like, there's no paper left in this venue. None. Yeah. And we were Dang. at the point where we were using our bath towels to wipe our faces. Oh my God. And the tears were not all bad, right? Yeah, now. yeah, like, yeah. It was like a mix of like, it was just completely emotional. A mix of like, never, never realizing that it was possible to feel um, mm. this, the level of support that we were able to give each other. I'm really proud because Karen and I created this retreat curriculum within a, a month and also handles all the logistics as two people. One lesson learned though, we will never facilitate a three-day retreat just us two ever again. <laughs> that was so taxing. But some of those activities that we created still to this day are activities that we, you know, we later on did a, two other retreats last year. And, and so that weekend, all of those women are still members of the cosmos. They yeah. became our early adopters. Oh, yeah. They are still friends with each other. Like yeah, we yeah. keep in touch. One of them eventually is now like our advisor to the cosmos. Mm -hmm. you know, and she's been there day one. Shout out Bessie Chu. And gosh, like the testimonials we got from that weekend, because, mm -hmm. you know, just the things people were saying about how like they never thought it was possible to feel sisterhood with one another, to feel this deep sense of kinship, to feel like anything truly was possible. After that weekend, that's when Karen and I looked at each other and we're like, I think it's time to get legitimate. Yeah. Like, you gotta come up with a, a website. Yeah, <laughs> make a website. What, what a testament to just the power of getting people together. I think there are, like, there are just some things that maybe some topics some feelings, emotions that you can't explore without other people. Like my guess is just some of those discussions and stuff. You can't get the same thing from reading a book, from watching a movie, but there's just some stuff that like other people more so in the same room with some stuff in common and some stuff not like digging into it and exploring and reflecting and just the power of like saying something to someone else's face and hearing it said back to you, that you just can't replace that. A lot of communities do start with a small number of people and a really deep and meaningful touch point. Weight Watchers started with six people. They have 30,000 meetings every wow. week. But if you can really get a small team on your side and they really care about the same things as you, what is Cosmos at now? Like how many people do you guys have on your newsletter? Or like um, you guys have a ton of five, people. Uh, over 5K now. Yeah. Like combined with like newsletters, social, yeah. our online community, um, and then like, people telling each other. Uh, but I'm starting to have this weird like meta out-of-body experience where like I'll go like to events in New York and more people on the street and then like they'll be like, oh, have you heard of the Cosmos? Yeah. And then I'll play around like, oh yeah, no. I just started dating, hello, and like talking about my dating life on the microphone, but I just started dating a girl who's Korean American and I was like, have you heard of the Cosmos? And she was like, yeah. And I bet you if you start measuring all the people that like aren't just on yeah. the list, but oh, like know so you happy. and know yeah. what you're doing, it's yeah. probably a lot of yeah. people. And that started with 20 people and the high touch point, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. just like a little pin in a question about the who. And again, I'm like a white girl, so you just like tell me what I don't understand. <laughs> but one thing that I think is really interesting is that you are bringing together a very horizontal group of like many different people with many different experiences that all are like being labeled Asian. But that that's extremely diverse, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, how did you guys approach that and think about that? Asian America itself as a term is very new. You know, it only came about like in the 50s. And I think we often forget that. And also there's so many different waves of immigration. So like yeah. people's even experiences of coming to America 
are so different. And I think one thing that's important to highlight is that when we all come from different contexts and we're all like just trying to survive at a certain point, the type of community we're trying to build really is a privilege and there is some level of work to even understand why it's important, right? Mm. Because I think um, when you're focused on survivorship, it's like the near term. You have that short-term scarcity mindset thinking and that's not a bad thing. It's a product of you trying to make it based on what you have with who you have with you. The work of building community is to come together so that we can all expand our perspectives and, and ultimately the possibility for ourselves. I often like use this metaphor of you normalize the four walls of what you think is possible for yourself. Mm -hmm. And what you think is possible for yourself is charted out for you based on who Mm -hmm. you're around and the context you live in. Mm -hmm. And so there are two ways I, I think you can go about it. You can either like start decorating those four walls and get really comfortable with them, do your best, really ramp that up, tell yourself that that's freedom. Or you can keep breaking through and pushing them further and further and further. Yeah. But you can't do that, I don't, I don't think, without community, mm. without people of different perspectives and different approaches and um, different ways of looking at those walls, surfacing that so that you can create kind of like your own philosophy for how you want to break through. Together, we can imagine something much bigger. So let's move into what you guys are doing now with the Cosmos. You guys have uh, an online space where you chat with each other, Slack. You have a bunch of different experiences that are physical. So Mm -hmm. you you started with the retreat. You guys have workshops. You have a book club. Mm -hmm. You're going to do a kick-ass summit soon. Mm -hmm. You have ambassadors running that in cities around the country. And you also tell stories. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe we can start with that Slack group. So you finished the retreat, and as far as I know... You guys made a Slack group, right? You put everybody into that Slack group. Is that right? After that first retreat, uh, we knew that people wanted to stay in touch. Well, we wanted to stay in touch. These are our early adopters. There's so much we wanted to learn from them. Um, So we created a Slack group. And at first, it was private in the sense that we only wanted people who had been through this deeper experience with us to join. And so last year, we ended up doing two more retreats, one in Joshua Tree in June and one in upstate New York in October. And so every cohort, if you will, was added to the Slack group. The same Slack group. Yeah. Everyone's the in the same, same old zone, mm-hmm. big meta zone. Yeah. Okay, cool. So everyone's in the same private Slack group and has like different channels, right? Okay. On top of that, we were also starting to activate, you know, in person. So we launched with four hubs, Denver, LAS, of New York, which was an homage to the women who represented those cities at the first retreat. Yeah. So you basically had people in those cities that you're like, you're genuine, you know what this is about. And also I've kind of vetted you, mm-hmm. you're qualified. I'm going to let you run Cosmos Denver or whatever. Okay. Denver, SF, and New York were really the biggest ones. Karen and I ended up doing an LA trip together in June. And so that we activated that city by doing like a big community dinner. Um, And we ended up doing like 60 workshops over the course of last year, like in these four cities. It wasn't just me and Karen teaching them. It was us partnering with like... Wait, am I doing the math right? Is that one every five days last may where karen and i between us two did 10 workshops between sf and new york for mental health awareness as well as apam y'all get out there i I just think that's part of one of the most impressive things as well people who want to start a community will hide behind some of the online stuff i have a i have a bias towards liking the in-person things Mm -hmm. i get there's a role for online community but there's just there really is a power to getting people together and yeah there's something about doing it repeatedly, continuing to show up and giving people a place to show up. Yeah, I think like, it's always been the most important thing for us to get people to connect in real life, yeah. Yeah. to get face-to-face and to have the conversations, um, you know, like where they're 
able to bear themselves vulnerably. The online layer was there to kind of support, mm -hmm. but ultimately like, we still to this day really put all of our weight into the, the in-person experiences. And that's also how like, you know, the book club sprung up because Carolyn approached the Cosmos and was like, I've always wanted to start a book club for Asian women. Do you guys yeah. want to do this together? And we were like, yeah, you want to run it? Like, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, like, well, let's break this one down. So how does a, a how does a book club, a Cosmos book club function? Like, yeah, what's the, what's the framing of that? If I want to go to a Cosmos book club, how does that work? We've, we've only piloted a formal one here in New York. Um, cool. And it really sprung about because she really cared about reading works by Asian and Asian American authors of the diaspora and really supporting them, right? Because we're in an interesting renaissance moment right now for Asian America where there are more Asian authors writing books than I can even keep up with, mm -hmm. right? Like every month I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. there's an onslaught. And this when is we were younger, it was like Amy Tan. That's like kind of the heart of it. Like, you know, wanting to support so that more of these authors and also like the publishing industry itself, which is very white, could understand that there mm -hmm. was an appetite for it. Very similar mm -hmm. to how people were like selling out or buying out theaters for Crazy Rich Asians. Like we are in our own way trying to like signal. kind of organize it and signal, yeah, exactly, yeah. that mm -hmm. this is important and we care about it. So our book club has actually been in partnership with Asian American Writers Workshop. Like they have been, you know, contributing venue space and allowing us to also amplify their work because they're an incredible nonprofit that really supports the literary arts for our community. I think the coolest thing though about our book club is that wherever possible, we always try to invite the author to come in person. Yeah. So the one that was featured in the New York Times was back in April when we had Crystal Hana Kim come in. So our book club was reading her book, If You Leave Us. And even cooler part, Carolyn's sister runs uh, a Korean food pop-up called You Eating, which is a play off of their last name. Yeah, yeah. And so Irene catered like that book club and made food that literally came from the book. Like she made dishes, Korean oh, dishes awesome. that were mentioned in yeah. the book. Huh. And then Crystal Hana Kim came in and did like a a little bit of like a private Q and A and reading with us. Mm. She talked about like her like her context into writing the book and what her process is like. And then I think she literally like looked at us and she was like, "I've never been in a room where I'm reading mm. to people who look like me. I'm usually on tour, you know, looking at very mixed audiences. Or also, if I'm in the Midwest, it's a very white audience. Mm. And this is so different. I think what's also another thing that you guys are doing that we can mention really fast is you're promoting vendors, specifically women and not gender non-binary folks who are Asian who are making products. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you guys are just not only creating space for conversations, but you're at this point where you're making platforms mm -hmm. for people to flourish and Oh, there's thrive. definitely a Beyonce long-term play here. Oh yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> What's the vision? Um, at the end of the day, what we are building is a support system. And not just like, hey Bailey, I'm gonna give you a hug today, mm -hmm. but it's a support system of like, you said that you have, um, you know, your Kickstarter is launching tomorrow. I'm going to show up and donate. I'm going to share it with all my friends. Mm -hmm. Oh, do you need a mentor? I'm going to connect you to this person. Mm -hmm. So like a holistic support system of all kinds that at the end of the day really is creating a microeconomy mm -hmm. for Asian women and gender non-binary folks to invest in one another. And yeah. that's also a very new kind of behavior because for so long, it's I think we've been in our own lanes by virtue of whether we had to for survivorship or we just didn't know better to look, you know, both ways. Um, but now that we have more connections to each other through like the Slack platforms, through like these in-person communities that we're hosting all over the U.S. and, you know, the summit, which will be the biggest manifestation of it, you can now literally see who's in the trenches with you. Mm -hmm. And there's so much talent in our community, yep. like, whether it's entrepreneurs and artists and, you know, people who are in investors and, and makers and arts and crafts and dancers. It's, it's incredible. And so mm -hmm. all of us need support of different kinds of, at different times. And so what we're trying to do is really make that make that easy. And yeah. like, I think the conversation is really important because sometimes the support you need is not money. It might be like, 
hey, I'm looking for an Asian therapist. Can yeah. you help me out? Yeah. Uh, or I'm going to Japan. Give me your recs. But other times it really is like, yeah, I need your dollars or I need, yeah. I need a designer and, and I want to yeah. work with an Asian designer on like this idea that I have. We're trying to facilitate all those different types of support. Yeah. Social capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Social, economic, political power at the end of the day. And, really, and also normalizing the conversation around like valuing yourself and realizing that when you invest in your community, you're investing in yourself and trying yeah. to make that super freaking clear because I don't think it, it necessarily always is. You guys are doing a lot. You have a big output. How do you make decisions about what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to? Because I used to be the kind of person where my default answer was yes. Like, mm-hmm. I want to help everybody. I want to be there for everyone. I want to respond to every person's email. And it just gets to a certain point where, like, what we have built is that's not the best use of my time. Maybe the best use of Karen's time. And maybe that's not just the right time either. So as opposed to being a default yes person, I'm learning how to establish, like, boundaries and be default no and something I'm also really working on lately is like creating more headspace where I'm not just... I think when we were first starting out, there were so many unknowns. There still are a lot of unknowns. Yeah. But now I feel like I am an expert on me. I'm an expert on how I show up in this space. And I'm an expert on, on the cosmos. And mm-hmm. I didn't have that last year. Mm-hmm. I felt like a blind person walking around and hoping I don't break something. Mm-hmm. Now that I have that expertise, I've given myself the ability to step back and just stop ingesting so much. So one really big thing that... I learned from that is if I want to cultivate my own voice for what this could be, I can't just keep taking in what other people say it should be. I can't just keep like looking for other experts. Yeah. This is there's just a certain point where I'm like, I've learned what I what I could, I think, from others. And now it's like, what do we want? You know what I mean? And that's that's a really hard question for, you know, a first gen refugee kid to even think about, right? Because mm. I was like, I never grew up with like what do I want? It's like what you mm. what will make other people satisfied? What will check off the right boxes for for them? And so um now I have to be default no, because if I say yes to everything, you take me off track of like the vision here. What we're really proud about is like our vision is not an egoistic one of like, this is Cass and Karen's picture of what Asian America should look like. <laughs> it's, we really believe in, this is a term that I know Kevin uses a lot too with, with you guys, but like we really believe in building with people, not for people. For our cosmos. So in our Slack group, we have a channel called Summit Advisory Board, and it's mm-hmm. an informal group where um, we ask anybody who wants an opportunity to chime in on whether it's like just drop ideas here or if we want to just quickly poll people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. time in on what you want like we'll start threads that say like what are some topics that you want us to explore mm-hmm. you know at summit and right now i think there are like 88 people who are in there we're going to be promoting it more like over the next couple of months because we want to get like hundreds of voices in there if possible yeah. yeah like they're telling us what they want and we're also committed to allowing our community to vote on the workshops that we're going to be hosting so we're, we have applications open right now but they're going to have the final say yeah. mm-hmm. because we believe this community is it's not about me and karen it's about us and what do you care about right mm-hmm. Another cool thing that I'm really proud about is like we're being super transparent about everything that we do at the Cosmos. And we're very willing to like own up to the fact we're going to make mistakes, hold us accountable, hold us high, help us like get to get to where we want to go. And so with the summit, like I'm proud to, to say that like we're, we're bringing in a lot of different perspectives and the more voices we have at the table. I mean, obviously with some parameters, because otherwise it becomes also chickens running around with their heads. Cut off. <laughs> yeah. But like in, in certain areas, like it really helps to have them tell us what they want because we we want to build something that is really valuable at the end of the day for them. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise you're guessing, right? Yeah. Guessing yeah. doesn't work at scale yeah. super well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Tell us about real quickly, anyone who's listening, if you want to know about this summit, what do they need to know? Like when are the dates mm-hmm. and also like why should they come? You know, give it a little hype. Like yes. what why yeah. are you excited yes. about it? Yeah. Imagine you walk into a room, you're maybe a little nervous. 
and all of a sudden you look around and you see 499 other women just like you. They've come here to explore the question of what does it look like for us to flourish and thrive. All of your speakers and workshop facilitators are going to be people who look like you. All of the vendors are going to be people who look like you. All of the activations are going to be products made for you. All right, you guys can open your eyes now, but... Sounds rad. <laughs> where's my, where's my queer female version of that? <laughs> I gotta get on that train. Yeah, the Quasmos. The Quasmos. <laughs> you guys are like, Bailey, could you just dial down ripping me off for like, like 20%? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, tell me. It hasn't happened before. Yeah. You guys are gonna have like 500 people. Yeah, it's gonna be, the summit is for um, 500 Asian women and gender non-binary creators. When we say creators, it's, it's more of a mentality than a role. It's someone who wants to use their passion, skill sets, expertise, perspective to create the world that they think they deserve. Um, and so we're bringing people together who wanna make the world a better place and also wanna make their lives their own, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, and it's gonna be happening August 25th, which is a Sunday in Brooklyn at 99 Scott, which is a really beautiful venue out in Bushwick. There's gonna be an art installation, speakers, workshops, all led by community members. The Cosmos Market, will we will have 15 um, Asian women and gender non-binary creators who are vending their products. Everything from like clothing to stationery to like cool. baked yeah. goods. I, mean, yeah. I don't know what it is yet, applications are open yeah. right now, but I hope there's some baked goods so I can eat them. The summit is something that Karen and I actually talked about at Spread House, like the first day we met. Yes. And so it's like a really beautiful coming together. And the reason why it's so important is we have so rarely seen our community like kind of in the spotlight on, on the metaphorical stage or the physical stage, right? Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's really important to create this bold statement and to create the biggest container that we've ever created. Like we've done a lot of the in-person, more intimate, like under 50 type of events, there's no more waiting for someone else to give us an opportunity. Like we're gonna take the reins and do it. And so we really just wanna make a splash. And our hope is that we're also going to change the way that conferences and summits are run. Mm. I'm really proud that we started with a design thinking session. We brought everyone on the team into a room with stickies and a whiteboard. And Karen was like facilitating this because she's really good at that stuff. Yeah. We refuse at the Cosmos to just take a template that people have done before yeah. and make it our own. Mm. For example, is it not traumatizing to pick up your badge and all of a sudden you're like, who am I going to sit next to? Yeah. What am I going to eat today? What if yeah. I have to go to the bathroom? Is anyone going to be my friend? Oh my yeah. God, I hope I don't get stuck talking to somebody who I don't like. There's this whole like mental calculus that's happening and you're distracted yeah. Yeah. the moment you get there. Mm. And isn't that something that's totally solvable? Yeah. We think so. Mm. So we're actually going to be launching what we're calling Constellation Cohorts. So the moment that, let's say you, Bailey, bought a ticket in June, in July, you'll get an email from us saying, hey, you're matched with eight other uh, people who are coming to the summit. These are like the three things that you guys are going to do together over Google Hangout, kind of like a mini curriculum pre-summit cool. to normalize everyone's experience. Love the pre-event yeah. work. Yeah. Genius. How cool is it that you can walk in saying, I already know eight people mm, and those eight yeah. people are going to hold me accountable to yeah. the goals that I set out for myself for the yeah. summit. And they're going to make sure that like I feel supported and, you know, that, that, and that I step up and I really take full ownership of my experience here and get my money's worth. Any other friends you make on top of that is like gravy, but you are coming in feeling like the sisterhood and solidarity already, mm. and then you just come in for more. Yeah. <laughs> there's this there's this common thread of attention to detail and of yeah. picking apart every single piece and seeing how do I you know one flip this on this head so it better serves better realizes the purpose of my community, but also how to take that piece and make it powered. By the community. Yeah. Also, we interviewed uh, this guy named Kyle, who's the CEO of Creative Mornings mm -hmm. for the podcast. And he was saying that at headquarters, you're in service 
of the community. And I feel like you guys are just doing such an amazing job serving people that you care about, being so generous and so thorough. Like the passion is like very clearly in there. And I'm sure people must come to your events and just feel like, damn, what a gift. You know, like it's like a present that you're giving people. And I think the other thing that stands out to me about you is you're just like an amazing leader. Like I asked you about your family and a little bit about your upbringing, but like where does all this come from for you? Like what is this like fire in you and this like sense of leadership? Has that always been there for you? I really feel like I'm giving birth to the version of myself Mm. that I've always wanted to be and I'm not doing it alone. The number one thing that I'm so proud of is that we've built a culture that allows for people to make mistakes but continually feel like they can show up and evolve and become the most authentic, heart-oriented, loving, compassionate, goofy, and, you know, and talented version of themselves. And the person sitting in front of you today doing this podcast is so different from who I was up three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago. Yeah. I've been, I have been evolving at such a high rate and it is because of this work that I'm doing with the cosmos. I don't know how cheesy this is to get, but yeah, you know, after our first chat and then hanging out a little bit more, it's just been inspiring to be around you. And part of it for me is seeing like some similarities in our like history and our family's history and our stories. And then seeing you channel that in a powerful way and channel that story into your professional work and, and showing up with it and flying that flag and not apologizing for, or, you know what I mean? Like all of those things, like kind of taking up that whole ball of like, what is your DNA and all of the imprints that have like left itself on you. And then taking the mass of that, jamming it together and being like, I'm going to go radiate this and then channel that power in certain areas with my laser beam to go put on this summit or do this thing. Like it's just been, I don't know, that has motivated me to keep doing, not only keep doing work I do, but reflect on like, yeah, who am I? What has made me me right now? And utilizing it, you know, versus like just trying to bury it or say like, oh, that was something or only use that in a certain context. But yeah, to really, to really yeah, take you're it. Owning in, your context. Yeah, to yeah. own it. Last question I want to ask you is, is there any like wish you would want to put out into the world for anyone listening who might want to be like, yo, I love Cosmos. How can I help? If you are not already a part of the Cosmos and you self-identify as an Asian woman or gender non-binary human being, um, give us a checkout, jointhecosmos.com. Sign up with your email. And all I ask is that you look around the Slack community. You don't even have to say anything. You can just lurk and just feel what's going on in there. Just, just let those feelings process, let those words land mm. and realize that those are real people just like you who are bearing their, their dreams and their hopes and their fears. And hopefully one day, if you feel like you want to share, I would love to read about you in the introductions channel. We definitely need all the support we can in amplifying Cosmos Summit. I am so proud of what we've built, but I also want to acknowledge that it, it is a huge challenge to create and market something to an audience, you know, that has never seen itself anywhere before. And so by virtue doesn't know exactly what it wants. If you have ever wondered, like, what does it look like for me to flourish and thrive? Can I find success without stability and security? You know, am I alone? What does it look like to to be a leader? You know, and how do I merge my Asian American identity? If any of those questions are like screaming out at you right now and your heart is going boop, 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 um, buy a ticket come. We have a scholarship fund. Reach out to us. 
we are we are here for you like make it happen because i know it will change your life and yeah help us help us spread the word um we, we have tickets that are on early bird sale right now until end of june we also have our applications for our workshop facilitators vendors and those scholarship applicants so please apply uh we want you there and we are committed to uh paying everyone who speaks or leads a workshop yeah because it's all about investing in one another hell yeah yeah. My particular oh, cool. little crew. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love to help. Yeah, and we can go, I'll go eat ice cream together. Hell yes. <laughs> shaved ice. I know the shaved ice aficionado. Cool. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you, you are you. rad. I personally want Cassie to run for public office, but I'm just saying it's almost yeah. down low. You didn't hear about that. You didn't hear that part of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to get involved with the Cosmos, whether it's joining a chapter in your area, getting into that dope Slack group that they have, or attending their summit in August, which I wish I could go to, you can find all that information at jointhecosmos.com. I'll also plug their Instagram account because they use it to spotlight dope Asian women doing rad things, people making cool things, writers, creatives, all these rad different folks. And you can check that out at Join the Cosmos. The username at Join the Cosmos, no spaces. Yeah. Uh, you can find out more about us, people and company at our website, peopleand.company. Dot company. We are also writing a handbook. Yeah, it's a book. It will be coming out also in August, a couple days prior yeah. to the Cosmos Summit. Yeah, wow, yeah, big, yeah. August, big month. Yeah, August, August big, big month for us. I'm, I'm currently holding an advanced copy of it, and that's very exciting. One word, flamiant. <laughs> One word, flamiant. You'll, you'll get that you'll later. You'll get that later. <laughs> One word, the book is thick but not too thick yeah it's very readable it's the, per- the, per- the perfect weight perfect the, weight the perfect, perfect weight anyways it's a synthesis <laughs> of uh what we've learned from conversations like this uh a guide on how to build a community with your people you can sign up and get notified um and get a preview of the book on our website peopleand.company or just say hi to us send us an email hi at peopleand.company yeah recently we've gotten some suggestions about people to interview on the podcast yes. Um, and I am very excited about that. I would that, accept so. more suggestees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are a suggestee, we like suggestions. So, I'll yeah. Take I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last thing. We've also, I think this whole ask for reviews has been working possibly. Ooh, yes. But if you feel like you have the kindness of your soul and you're excited about this interview and you're still hanging on here yeah, listening to us. Or if you just know us personally, <laughs> this is a real ask. We're real human beings. We like you to review us on the yeah. podcast if you feel down also subscribing instead of just like downloading yeah. each episode those things help you in das podcast store rating is as easy as scrolling down just the bottom of the podcast app and just hitting that like, it's five stars, stars. it's I mean, satisfying I, I, was, I wasn't telling them which number of stars oh yeah you choose you, you choose if we deserve two stars you give us those two <laughs> stars I, I hope that's I'll not accept true. the feedback <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right well thanks for hanging out with us so long thank you see you next time peace